Welcome to the 34 Welcome to Make Matriarchy Great Again. In part four of our episode on the sacred script of matriarchy, Vicki Noble, Don Sam Alden, and me, Sean Marlon Newcomb, discuss the connection of the script to two famous groups, the matriarchy on Crete and the Amazons. Tune in now on the 34 Circe Salon. Now, we've mentioned uh, Linear A a couple of times. Can you talk a little bit more about how um, the old European script uh, relates to Linear A, which was present in a lot of the places that we've identified as um, being uh, either matriarchies or and or homes of the Amazons? Yes, well, that's what I've been waiting to hear. <laughs> So I, don't know, I don't know if that's true. The linear A is Cretan. Uh, it, sure. It, uh, it really belongs to Crete. I think maybe they found it on some other Aegean islands as well, but they think it it was all related. It was all the same thing. They but, seem to think, though, Vic, that there is some connection between the language on Crete and the language in uh, Lemnos and its connection to the Black Sea region. So that's where kind of the yeah. sort of, that's my own particular yeah, take on it as well, the Amazonian connection, potential Amazonian connection to it. Well, that's the thing that uh, Harold Harmon has uh, tracked so beautifully. He talks about the, the script uh, <clears throat> uh, sort of diffusing in some way. I mean, he talks about it, he, he doesn't say for sure like the exact script from old Europe you know, went to the islands. He says that it's a a cultural memory and it went with the people uh, because at the end of the old European civilization, when it was wiped out, the script was wiped out with it. Um, Then it kind of shows up in in Linear A. uh, And he believes that it... uh, it's part of what people brought in their cultural memory, if nothing else, that they remembered having writing. And that, and, and, but anyway, there, I think. Of, so perhaps it was an attempt at recreation? Yes, probably. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Because, you know, it was also when Karen Vogel and I were making the mother piece in the 1970s, even before we, <clears throat> we knew we were making the cards. We were tracking all these migrations. We were just sure we were seeing migrations, and we were excited about it. Now, now they're all being borne out, so that's very thrilling. But right. one of the resources we used at that time uh, was Robert Graves, who wrote a book called *The White Goddess*. And mm-hmm. in *The White Goddess*, and that was a standard for us. You know, we sort of started there when we moved to Berkeley and started our research. And he said that the priestesses. He says this possibly in his book on the Greek myths as well. He kind of deconstructs all the Greek myths and takes the patriarchy out of them and reads them as history and, uh, and tells us what was happening behind the scenes and how the patriarchy was uh, taking over. Anyway, he 
said the priestesses migrated to the island uh, as a form of uh, escape, displacement, when everything was coming down, and that they took with them round clay discs with language that were kept in goatskin bags by the priestesses and carried to the island. And it kind of looks like that might be true because we have the Festus disc, you know, from right, right. And did uh, he write that pre-Festus disc be- before they found it, or was this something he posited after knowing about the disc, saying, "Well, this may be a way that they transported the culture." Oh, I don't know. That's a great question. Oh, There's an interesting question. <laughs> I will look that up. Please look that up. <laughs> Um, anyway, the, uh, Harold Harmon has made some connections between the, um, the Aegean Islands and the, what he calls the fragmentary survival of old European sign repertory in the Aegean complex. And he also links, uh, he, you know, he links the Crete connection to Troy. It's, it starts, he says, after 2900. BCE, so the very early establishment of Troy, right on the western coast of Turkey and not that far from the Aegean Islands. You know, you can see uh, Samos from Ephesus, and you can see Ephesus at Turkey from the island of Samos, so really very close. Um, And he talks about the diffusional link between the European mainland and Asia Minor. I'm sorry, say again, the what links? He calls them diffusional links. Okay. The way the language diffused, the way the script diffused. Um, and he, So Troy, he sees Troy as being part of that matriarchal inheritance. Yeah. Am I reading that right? Yes. Because, you know, of course, it's interesting for our, you know, unifying concept of all these podcasts we talk about the amazons and the amazons of course are known both in the ethiopus which has been lost but also in of course the iliad as being allies of the trojans yes and it wasn't just when i went on an amazon tour uh, with lydia rule uh, years ago in crete i mean in turkey sorry we um we found that actually it's not just troy uh troy is the famous site but it's all up and down the west coast of Turkey that there are uh, Amazon sites with Amazon names and Amazon burials. Oh, wow. We have wow. to. We'll, we'll talk off the podcast about this, Vicki, but we need to talk about that more. So great. That is, a, that is really wonderful. And the kind of thing that, that Harold gets into that I really like is the details of the language. He makes a lot of comparisons with the old European script and the English Sarasvati uh, script. And he also, he talks about linear A, he says, has had uh, diacritical marks. And that this, uh, <clears throat> that the diacritical marks were used in old Europe. And, you know, diacritical marks are part of what linguists uh, use these days to study different languages and understand right. the different uh, pronunciations and the different meanings of words. Interesting. Yeah. He says it's the earliest evidence 
for this technique in the history of writing. And th- in this particular script that we're discussing today. The yeah. The di- well, I, again, it just makes me wonder again why contemporary mainstream scholarship, how it can avoid really digging into this. Of course, we know the answer to that. I'm just, again, expressing <laughs> Right, my... right. And just a quick explanatory comma, in phonetics, a diacritical mark is a, a glyph or a symbol that is added to a letter to alter its sense, function, or pronunciation. So diacritical marks, for instance, are the accent mark above the E, or the umlaut, or the tilde in Spanish, that kind of thing. That's a diagram. And of course, the, the this script that we're talking about, the old European sacred script, was not phonetic, and did did uh, was not a spoken language. At least that's what the linguists believe at this point. Right, it, it, right. It's an ideogram language, and so it's really pictures. Conceptual language, perhaps. That's good, yes. Uh, It's something that the whole community understood. Right. When they read it. Wow. Yeah. That's a really... So I think we should probably wrap up a little bit because there's... And we certainly will come back to this because this concept is so rich with a lot of different things that we've brought out here. Mm -hmm. And maybe the thing I'd like us to do here is we've talked about the language, what it represents, how it's tied to matriarchy. And now also how it's tied to linear A and these languages in these other regions. So this might be a good time to introduce our lovely concept of one more thing. <laughs> so <laughs> one so more Sean, thing. What is your should... one more thing? Well, my one more thing is we need to look into the use of this language and why and how and why scholarship has ignored it. Uh, Vicky has pointed up the, the ignoring of the old Europe culture just generally. And I think that may be my one more thing. We need to spend more time with the old Europe culture because it represents a matriarchy, which births the civilization in a sense, births the civilization that we live in. So my one more thing is to look further into old Europe. I would recommend. How about you, Dawn? What's your one more thing? Well, <laughs> my one more thing is to look uh, to look more closely now at the art of women in more recent culture, like for an- instance, Judy Chicago or fiber artists. Yeah, and look at the way that they are using symbols and parts of normal culture, quote unquote, today to convey a concept or an idea or a feeling to you as a, as a way of, and, and how is that different from language? Why is that considered different from, quote unquote, a formal language? That's great. You know, a little aside about Judy Chicago, when the dinner party came out, Mm -hmm. it was, you know, fabulous. We were thrilled. Um, But the academics weren't thrilled. Not at all. And critics were vicious with her. Uh, one of them in one of the reviews, I hope I'm allowed to say this, uh, called them, called her place. 
Say that again, because we lost you into the fuzz. Oh, I think they censored you. They bleeped you out. So. Yeah, was... really. Yeah. I mean, so am they... I about to say it? Yes, go for it. Yes, go for it. Because I didn't make it up. They, it was a critic that's called Judy's uh, Plates uh, that were so beautiful, representing different historic women. Um, Judy's Cunts. Because, oh, because wow. they, were, they were vulvic in uh, in an artistic way, kind of like George O'Keefe hated that too when people talked right. about her work that so, way. So you're saying the critic was really original and witty in coming up with that. Right, sure, <laughs> yeah. Saw a plate no, but, and went, oh. Compare and contrast that to... Uh, you know what we were early ta- earlier talking about the women's displays of their vulvas as credentials. Yeah, saying, "Look, I am a goddess too. I am related to the great goddess. Yeah, I have that power within me. I live inside of the spirituality of the great goddess." So Absolutely. there you go. And you know, my friend Miriam, uh, with her work on the beach, um, talks about the well, both the V and the M. I think she talks about them as prophylactic or protective. Um, that they were uh, they were used to uh, protect and keep safe, but they were also used to project uh, that kind of power. Like, stay away. This is women's work. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And it's interesting how the Greco-Romans then flipped that, and so you get the phallus, which represents that good luck and projection of power all over ancient Rome. Right, <laughs> right. And then everybody should read Ava uh, uh, Kuehl's book, The Reign of the Phallus. <laughs> yes. So let's actually ask you, so, Yeah. Let's what's your one more thing? Her one, one final thing? Oh, gosh. Hmm. I guess I would just say uh, we need to open ourselves to the possibility of peace on earth because it was matriarchal cultures that held that and sustained that for so many hundreds of thousands of years. And I think if we want to be able to imagine that we could live peacefully and in harmony with the, with the planet, that we have to go back and see that it's already been done. And we have it in our racial memory and our cultural memory. And so all we have to do is, as as Mary Daly said in the 20th century, we just have to fall back. We have to fall out of the patriarchal foreground and we have to fall back into the matriarchal background. Nice. Nice, yes. Nice. All right. And with that, I want to thank both Vicki Noble and Don Sam Walden, as always, for giving us so much to talk about on the Make Matriarchy Great Again podcast on 34 Circe. I am Sean Marla Newcomb. Thank I you am, for joining us. And I am Don Sam Alden. And I, thank you for joining us. <laughs> and and, and Vicki Noble. And that will do it. Take care. And blessed be. Blessed be.